All right, today we're actually going to take a break from the Ten Commandments. I felt on my heart just a, a sense from the Lord that there was a, a pause to take place. Actually came out of a conversation I had with some of our, our leaders. As I meet every week with uh, a number of the leaders of the church and we get together and it's just really taking the pulse of what God's doing in our life and challenging ourselves to continue to, as individuals before the Lord, grow. Be transformed. Seek Jesus. Commune with Jesus. Because my deep conviction is if you're going to have anything to give in leadership, then it's just going to be a, a passing on, a flow, an overflow of what God's doing and has done in you. So I was meeting with some leaders, and a, a profound statement came forward in the group that struck me, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, hey, dig down there. And it was this phrase. Understanding the, the cultural earthquake that's taking place right now in, in our world, in our country, a new reality has emerged, and, and this phrase came forward. Our land isn't safe. And that's a very new thing for many of us. We are used to what I, would, I will be confident to say historians are going to look back on and say before 2020... <laughs> especially in the United States of America, it was a very, very safe and even comfortable time in human history to be alive. Life expectancy is the longest it's ever been. Education and literacy rates are the highest ever been. Job rates are the, you know, uh, joblessness rates are the lowest they were ever been. Likelihood of dying in a war between nations is lower than it ever had been. Access to medical care, greater than it's ever been. Standard of living, higher than it's ever been. So the land is very safe for a lot of people in many ways. Even across the world, poverty, extreme poverty rates were the lowest ever in human history. That's a very, on the grand scheme of things, and compared to human history, I'm not saying the world was a perfect place by any means, but the world was very safe and comfortable on the, in comparison with the grand scheme of history. Yet so much has changed in the last year. A very real cultural earthquake is taking place to where when this phrase was was declared, it just, it really hit me because it's like, wow, that, that is our new reality. The land doesn't feel safe. Whether it's, you know, the, the, the government right now, in a way, trying to, what I would call, a very real overstepping of the Constitution and First Amendment rights, whether they be personal freedoms, religious freedoms, personal and individual rights, a either consenting of or participating in the censoring of dissenting opinions. I mean, did any of us ever think that the, the government, you know, two years ago, a year and a half ago, that the government would take a role and say, hey, any private businesses, over 100 people, have a mandate to do such and such? I mean, that's just a, that is a whole new world for us in this country. Did we ever think that there would be, you know, mandates for our, our kids to have to be masked all day long in school? And no one's really talking about the fact that the CDC removed those reopening guidelines in August to where here's what it needs to look like, here's what the numbers need to be so that kids don't have to wear masks all day long in school every day. Those are gone now. So it's just kind of the foreseeable future. This, it's just forever. Churches being deemed non-essential, illegal to meet, have to stand in civil disobedience while 
Strip clubs and casinos and abortion clinics and liquor stores remain open and essential. Rioting, looting, acceptable, but youth sports need to stop because that's dangerous to be outside. Parental rights for their children, parental rights to be able to live out their deeply held convictions about what their children should receive as far as medical services or what should be taught in schools, about the God-given created realities of, of gender, man and woman being a healthy design of God. Well, now you're a bigot if you want that to be taught to your children. And in fact, I heard a, a quote from the state of California this week that the state thinks that they really <laughs> give parents the right. They lend the children to the parents. This is shocking, crazy. And they're living it out in the way that you know, children are being taught things in violation of parental conscience, and there's nothing you can do other than pull them out of school if you don't like it. That's a new world. We're living in an unprecedented time in history, in the U.S. history, where many of us feel like for the first time what was a very safe and comfortable place to live is suddenly like, whoa, there's kind of threats coming from all different directions. Is this world safe? Is this country safe? Are my kids safe? So there's definitely some deep feelings of uncertainty, fear in the direction the country's heading, a lack of control, a lack of trust of those in charge. Our land doesn't feel safe, and this is new. There's a new way that this is shaking the ground beneath us. So how does a believer respond? How do we reconcile God's word, which has all sorts of incredible promises for his children, in the face of a new reality that our land itself doesn't feel safe. And there's a sober, sobering, but I believe ultimately hopeful reality that we can actually see when we get into the context of the Bible and how God is interacting with his people, and it's this reality right here. The land was never safe. Whether it's in the Old Testament just think about some of the stories. People of Israel have been brought out of slavery by God's miraculous works, his mighty deeds, signs and wonders. God, the warrior at work to save his people. That salvation moment that created the people of Israel and promised by God to, get, to be brought into a land flowing with milk and honey. As they journey through the desert, learning to trust God, only to get on the edge of the promised land and send, you know, 12 spies in and kind of survey this promised land that they get to go in and inherit. And what's their response? Only do they see that the land is filled with giants and we're like grasshoppers. That was the report. Ten of the 12 spies saw the promise ahead of them and said, no, 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 no. There's giants. They devour the land, and we're little grasshoppers. The land was not safe. And when they finally entered the land, they settled it, only to find themselves, what? Surrounded on all sides by enemies who want to wipe them off the map. The land was never safe. Deuteronomy 20, 1 to 4, says it like this. In the midst of the land that was never safe, God has a promise. When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own, okay, that's not safe. <laughs> when you go into a war and they got a lot more than you do, you're not going to feel safe, right? You shall not be afraid. Why? For the Lord your God is with you 
who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and, and shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart be faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. The land was never safe. Yet God's promises were present, personal, and powerful to those who believed them and walked with him. Then in the new covenant inaugurated by Jesus, he comes preaching a gospel, a good news of the kingdom of God. This is the greatest message ever the world's ever heard. The kingdom of God is at hand. More of heaven is within reach. Our prayer that we're supposed to pick up this whole kingdom mindset is what? <laughs> May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the new gospel. The new good news is that heaven is right here breaking in to transform every single aspect of our life, every aspect of reality, under the lordship of Jesus, transformed with the goodness of heaven. And yet, in the midst of that, the land is still not safe. Jesus spoke that since this world is still fallen, still broken, under the rule of Satan, which is a mind-boggling thing for, to hear Jesus say, which he does, because of those realities, we will face troubles, hardships, and persecutions. The land is still not safe. Jesus said in 1633 of John, in the world you will have trouble. But here's the point, and here's the good news. All throughout God's word, the land does not need to be safe for God's promises to be true. The land was never safe in the Bible. And all of God's promises to his people were true. Our land does not need to be safe for all of God's promises to be true. And I think that's where the rub is. That's where the challenge is. Because particularly in our nation, in the United States of America, things in, in many ways, from a historical con con context and view got so safe and so comfortable and we got so used to it that we're, we, many of us grew up in a way where the land is safe and, and we can then confuse what are God's blessings and what are the land's blessings and what is safe and where do we find our safety? What are we putting our safety in? What dream is ours? Is it the American dream? Is it God's dream? And there's some ways in which it's appropriately confusing, especially because if you look back into the true founding of the United States, it was absolutely intentionally founded upon biblical principle after biblical principle. And if you've got eyes to see him, it's all over the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. So in some ways, this grand experiment of the United States of America, there are those blessings of in the political sphere that was created, God's principles were all over it, and so it did bless the nation. It blessed the nation like no other nation has been blessed. And so, you know, I'm not, it's, it's difficult at times to extrapolate <laughs> in the world we live in, so what's, what's exactly God's blessing as I'm here in a very safe and comfortable environment compared to most of world history? And so it's like, well, it's hard to actually pull those apart. Given that, our founders worked really hard to put biblical principles in it all. But 
You know what I'm saying. Sometimes we can rely. What are we relying on for our safety? And when the circumstances of our land are not safe, what happens in here? And that's where the, the rub is for us right now. That's where the challenge is. And I think there is some really, really good news that the land does not need to be safe for God's promises to be true. And that's kind of that, whoa, for the first time, many of us are, are wrestling and grappling with our land isn't safe. What does that mean for me with God? So there's two mindsets on how to respond to the fact that our land is not safe. One mindset that is pervading and pervasive in our world right now is our land is not safe and therefore we are afraid. I mean, has not fear become something more real and tangible and normal than ever before in our lifetime? Fear spreads like a disease from person to person. And it has gripped our country. The news media every single day is banking on that fact. They are making lots and lots of money on the fact that people tune in because they are afraid. What's going to happen next? What's the next life-threatening, almost apocalyptic thing? I got to know it so that I can be at home and watch it and be scared and do nothing. Deuteronomy 28 says this. So that same passage in Deuteronomy 20, they talked about the land not being safe, yet God's promises still being true. Very interestingly, a few verses later, it says this in verse 8. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, is there anyone who is fearful and faint-hearted? Remember, we're, this is the context of talking about when you go out to war against your enemies and you see horses and chariots larger than you, so there's real reasons to fear unless you're trusting in the promises of God. And so that's the context. And so he, he, it says that the officers go out and say, is there anyone who's fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house, lest he make the heart of his fellows melt like his own. There's a little biblical picture saying fear is like a disease that will spread. And in this context, they said, so if we're going into battle and you're scared, just go home. Otherwise, you're going to take a bunch of people with you, and then we're not going to be trusting the promises of God, and that's a bad way to go into a battle when the land is not safe. So it just, it, it just speaks to the reality. One, I mean, you know, I love the Bible because it's like you're going to find this in 50 different places. Uh, just about the reality of fear. And this is one I honestly hadn't seen before. It's like, whoa. There are high stakes right now because the number one option that's happening in our land right now to not being safe is just fear. Fear has gripped our nation in a way that never has before. I mean, I was talking with a couple of young men. My son was one of them, and, and one of his you know, young friends, 15 years old, out at Spirit Park playing basketball, and had just... That uh, my, my son's friend had just you know, gotten the vaccine shot, about to go back to school, and they were messing around like you know, little 15-year-olds do and like punching each other in the arm and like, oh, no, nah! you know, it's like, don't punch me. You know, just playing and having fun with it, you know, because that's what little boys do. But that's a sign of affection, right? Um, 
But, but then it you know, turned a little bit more serious in uh, they were talking about going back to school. And one, my son made the comment, he's like, oh, I'm so glad I can go back to school and I don't, I don't have to wear a mask. I'm so glad about that. And the other young man said something I'll never forget. He said, I have no problem whatsoever wearing a mask all day long. I do not want to die of COVID. As a 15-year-old, young, healthy boy, the statistical probability of him dying of COVID with mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine, is almost nothing. Yet he's living with that as his pervasive reality, like that close to the surface, to the point where he's ready. There was no arguing. There's no debating. Like, he's already given in and given up. Like, my son's saying, like, I'm so glad I have to do that. It bothers me. And he was just like, oh, I got no, I'm going to die. I got no problem doing that because I don't want to die. I mean, it was there. It was real. And I heard it in his voice. Like, it, I mean, like, it was like one of those things of ancient diseases that literally, like, wipe out a third of the population, which have happened. And he, he had that fear in his voice. Like, I'll do whatever, whenever. They can tell me whatever. I don't want to die. 15-year-old boy. And it's just that is, was a little heart-wrenching example of how when you're told the land is unsafe and that becomes a new reality, the number one option is just be afraid. Live afraid. And I would argue that's exactly where the enemy wants the world. Because when you're afraid, you're not looking to trust promises of God that look in the face of things that are not safe and say, ha-ha, I have a different source of strength. So there are some deep things going on. So you guys are with me. Let's go to option two. <laughs> option two, mindset number two. Psalm 46 is an incredible Verse, incredible psalm, an incredible prayer that shows us an example of in the midst of a world that is not safe, what does God offer to the believer? What good news does God have for his children? So Psalm 46, here we go. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. And while the nations are in uproar and kingdoms fall, he lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in all the earth. So mindset number two, option number two, right here from God's word, our land is not safe. So what? That's normal. We don't expect it to be, but we look to God as our refuge and strength. We're not going to sit in a place where we've got to say, we got to, oh no, the land, is it safe? Therefore, we live in terror 
And it's all about the circumstances of our land getting back to a place where finally we can feel safe and comfortable. If that's our hope, I'm telling you, the world has changed and I don't think it's going back. So if that's our hope for safety, we're in trouble. The biblical mindset is where we need to be. And I'm not saying we don't fight for certain things. I'm all about that. We preached that like three or four weeks ago. Find the fight that God has told you to be in. Fight the good fight. Find the arena. There are some incredible things, especially in our world, in our nation, that people fought for and died for that are good, healthy, biblical safeties and freedoms. And we shouldn't just give up and lay down and let, let the enemy take them away. So find your fight, find your arena, and that's important. But in addition to that, right here, where the land is not safe, God has good news. I mean, this verse, this passage, this is, if we look at the imagery, if we use our holy imagination to see the images that are painted here in this prayer, it's, it's there, though the earth give way, that's like the ground is falling beneath you. This is one of those, you know, chicken little apocalyptic, like, I mean, imagine it. It is. It really is. It's like this is some absolutely devastating circumstances going on in the land. The earth is giving way. It's like imploding beneath you. While that is happening and the mountains are quaking, the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea, the waters are roaring and foaming, the mountains are shaking and surging. I mean, it's this apocalyptic picture of everything in the land is not safe. And what does it say? The next verse, it says, Therefore we will not fear. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now that's old-fashioned language. So let's, let's, let's put it in a different language. While the land is giving way beneath us, the world is dissolving. The Holy Spirit is throwing a party for his people. Do we see that? There is a river. That is the Holy Spirit. New Testament all over the place. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the people of God. While the earth is giving way, literally imploding beneath your feet, you have access to a river that will bring joy. Wow. And furthermore, that verse of 46.10, which is very famous and very good, often removed from its context, be still and know that I am God. So not only does God want to throw a, a party by his Holy Spirit where you have joy in the midst of the land imploding beneath you, God goes far enough to say, and be still. I mean, I've never seen that context before. Be still. That's nice. Wake up in the morning, go get some coffee, look at my beautiful flowers, open the Bible. Ah, be still. And that's true. But the context of this verse is when the world is imploding beneath you, I have a Holy Spirit party for you and be still. <laughs> wow. God's got some promises for his people that even in the midst of the land not being safe, we actually have to 
readjust and just expect that is actually the normal context for the world. The land is not safe, yet God's promises are all true and real. One amazing example of this victorious mindset, and we'll, we'll close for the day here. Proverbs 31. It's famously talked about as a, the woman who reveres the Lord, the Proverbs 31 woman. There's some, lots of great stuff in there, but some nuggets of truth that honestly, this is where the message is coming from. And, and as I prayed on it, you know, God brings more scriptures in and, and expands it. But when that phrase came forth of the land is not safe, it hit my spirit. And then the contrast from the Lord of the Proverbs 31 woman and her response to the land that is not safe. And so here we go. If you're not familiar with the passage, it ends describing in verse 30 and 31. A woman who fears the Lord is greatly to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the gate. So that's the summary. It kind of builds all to that climactic moment where it's talking about this woman who reveres the Lord, who fears the Lord, who honors the Lord, and the incredible fruit of her life. She's lifted up as an example. This is a powerful person. This is an empowered and powerful woman, but it's for all of us. It's the one who reveres the Lord and the good fruit of her life that's worthy of being praised. And so there are some nuggets in there. Among the many qualities of the woman who reveres the Lord, she models an absolutely incredible example of how to prosper in a land that is not safe. So let's go to it. Verses 21, 22. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. Now let's pause real quick. That's part of our land being so safe, this means nothing to us. Most of us. Most of us don't even know what snow is, <laughs> first of all, in Southern California. <laughs> We've seen it on the movies. But in a real way, most of us have no fear of cold, right? I mean, you have, most of us have no life-threatening fear of cold. We don't. We put a jacket on. I mean, do, let's, let's, let's be real for the historical context. Do we know? So some of my family came over on the Mayflower. They were the first pilgrims. There was 100 of them, and uh, there was actually like 52 pilgrims and then some other merchants and stuff. And in the first winter here, as they came to plant a new church, and that's what it was all about. If you actually go read the Mayflower Compact and the journals of Bradford, it was to plant a church for the glory of God in the uttermost parts of the earth. They took Jesus serious in Acts 1 and 2, where he says, you take this Holy Spirit power that I'm giving you and go from Jerusalem, Judea, Sumeria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That was their mission, despite what revisionist history historians want to say. That was clearly their mission. 52 people came, and they paid with their lives. Over half of them died of Freezing death in the first winter. And that today, historically, we're so safe, it means nothing to us. We're not scared of dying in the winter of cold, right? That's an example. So safe, it means nothing. In this context, 2,500 years ago, or 250 years ago, or 300 years ago, or 400 years ago, when it snows, fear is real. 
your children have maybe a 50% chance of dying. And what does it say about this woman? It's not, oh, she flicks on the heater. Oh, such a good mommy. She, she, she shops at Old Navy, knows how to get four ninety nine jackets. Which is better than, you know, 50, but... When it snows, she has no fear for her household. For all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. She knows how to prepare. That's part of it, but here we go. Watch this one. Verse 25. Strength and dignity are her real clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. (sighs) Come on, right there. At the time to come, the literal Hebrew of that, it's the word, it's the future. So let's just take winter, for example, that is a real threat of death. I mean, let's not sugarcoat it in any way. Let's not paint some idyllic picture of, oh yeah, 25 years, 2,500 years ago. You know, life was so much easier. Life was so simple. No, not even close. Winter was a threat to take out half of your family. That was real even a few hundred years ago. The world was wildly more unsafe 25 years ago. War, famine, death, even winter looks you at the face and says, I'm coming to kill you. The land is not safe. And she has such strength and dignity that she laughs at the future. She laughs at what is to come. That laugh is a demonstration of the ultimate confidence. God wants to instill in us such a deep faith and trust in who he is, who we are in his eyes, and his promises for our life, that we, like this woman who reveres the Lord, can laugh at the time to come. Strength and dignity are clothed, are her clothing. And I, I, I love those words right there. We should probably maybe we'll take a whole message next week to look at what Jesus says and combine it with this right here because there's some nuggets. There's some golden nuggets I believe Jesus has for us. What did he say when he says, you will have troubles? That whole context, that, 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 that whole passage when he's in Let's go there real quick. John 16, he's talking about troubles and everything. He finishes off his several chapter long final charge to them at the Last Supper. And he says, all of this I've said to you that you may have peace. What does he say? Because the land is safe. He says, I'm telling you all this so that you can have peace in the world. You will have trouble. But I have overcome the world. And therefore, you, if you've got me, can be an overcomer. The world can be dissolving beneath your feet. And if you know me, you have access to a party and to a peace that does not make sense by the circumstances. But because I've overcome, you can be an overcomer. So let's look real quick at these two little pictures of strength and dignity. It says she is this woman who fears the Lord. She is clothed in scarlet and fine linen and purple. So scarlet, blood red, fine linen and purple. 
the, the bedding of royalty. So I'm going to put that in a, in, into a couple pictures here. Strength and dignity. Strength. She's clothed in strength. We put that through the, the, the beautiful lens of the new covenant of what Jesus did. When we wrap ourselves, clothe ourselves, as God's word tells us to, clothe ourselves in the righteousness of Christ, the scarlet blood-bought righteousness of Christ, we will have a strength that we have never known because we have a new identity before God. We have the righteousness of God. As 2 Corinthians says, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we who trust in him might become the righteousness of Christ. You want to talk about strength? Well, being able to stand before God Almighty wrapped in the righteousness of Christ is the greatest strength you will ever know. So that the, the king of the universe, the judge, the just judge of the universe can look upon you and say, blameless, forgiven, holy, beloved daughter, beloved child, beloved son. That is a source of strength like no other. And this woman who reveres the Lord, as all the Old Testament heroes have in common, they, I, in many ways, like Hebrews 11 says, they had like a greater faith. They had to have a greater faith than we do because they had to trust while so much was still unclear. Before Jesus came, man, the full revelation of Christ and the Messiah and God's plan for the world and the righteousness that we can wrap ourselves in in Christ and be forgiven and declared children of God, the Holy Spirit coming in and indwelling us, making us new. By that Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father, Man, it's so easy compared to the, what they had to hold on to in the Old Testament. But that strength is what she was clothed in. And God's saying, are you clothed in that strength today? Because that's what's going to give you access to the party that's going on while the world is melting before you. That's the strength that's going to give you the peace while the mountains are quaking and falling into the sea. And lastly, we see dignity. She's wrapped in dignity. She's clothed in dignity. The fine linens that are purple, it says. Fine linens of purple. Purple in the Bible is the color of royalty. Dignity. When you know you are part of the royal family of God, and as Ephesians 1 says, therefore, every blessing in heaven is yours in Christ. As you have been welcomed into the beloved family of God, there is a dignity that will rise up in you. You are wrapped in that purple fine linen of the royal family so that every single promise in Christ, every single promise from the entire word of God is yours in Christ you start to stand up with a royal dignity. That's the combination right there. Strength and dignity. When you know your identity in Christ, who you are, 
as God's beloved child, as God's beloved son or daughter, as the blood-bought, scarlet blood of Christ covers you and makes you forgiven and pure and holy, spotless before God, and coming with that is the dignity of every single promise in God's word. In fact, Ephesians 1 says, and you've got to know it, verse 1-3, every blessing in heaven is yours if you're part of the royal family of Christ. Those are the things that God says, option two. The world has never been and probably will never be safe like we needed to be safe or wanted to be safe if our peace and joy and hope and courage is going to depend on outside circumstances. But there is a river. Let's pray.